Hey everybody, welcome back to another Photog Adventures podcast. I'm Aaron King. I'm Brendan Porter. With families and day jobs, we know it's hard to find time to get out there with your camera. So Brendan and I joined together and made the commitment to go out consistently and build up our landscape and astrophotography portfolios. We live in Utah and are lucky to have so many beautiful landscapes all around us. Not only do we have five national parks right here in Utah, but we are only a day or less drive away from 30 other national parks. So we created PhotogAdventures.com, this podcast, and our YouTube channel to chronicle our adventures. Come along with us to amazing places and learn from our mistakes and our successes. We hope that you will get out there too and have a photog adventure of your own. It's episode 63. Welcome back to the podcast, as we say every time. Every single time. (laughs) 63 times to be exact. I think I've started it that way. Or more. And Technically, (laughs) when we count the other ones that didn't get numbered, because we have 63 episodes that are numbered episodes, but everything else we've done with Astrophotog, some bonus episodes, they didn't have the same episode number. So, hey guys, welcome back, and 63, it's a huge number, it feels awesome, and we're going to burn right through the 60s and get into the 70s almost immediately in 2018, so that's going to be awesome. Mm. So welcome back to Oregon episode. This is still our trip to Oregon, the listener adventure. And at this point, we still don't have any other listeners joining us. It's in the next podcast that you'll hear from John, who joined us out there, mm-hmm. joined us. We have with us today, Kurt Kies and Drew Armstrong. Hey. They're joining us. And they were already with us at this point when we went to Bandon, Shore Acres, and Hasita Head Lighthouse. Welcome, guys. Hey, how are you doing? <sighs> doing well, doing do, having that feeling of Christmas is coming and it has been busy. It mm-hmm. has been so busy. Yeah, I want to go back to Oregon. <sighs> Wasn't that nice? Uh-huh. It was. I, ha- I have not woken up before 9 o'clock since Oregon, and I don't know how <laughs> I did it in Oregon. <laughs> I don't know how I managed. We went well, to it's funny because I want to go back to Utah, so <laughs> <laughs> I kind of averages to- out. You leave Oregon and we'll stay at your place, or you're going to do it when we can hang out with you up here. Uh, we should uh, swap at the same time so that we're. Uh, I can just stay at your house, you can stay at my house, kind of thing. <laughs> Deal. That's that cool. could be really cool, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think that's why they invented Airbnb, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Actually, I want to stay at Drew's house. Okay. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> You're making a good point mm-hmm. and a very good choice. My house is fantastic. It has a lot of gear here. Well, no, Drew still beats me there. Yeah. Yeah, Never mind. (laughs) (laughs) So episode 63, let's get talking about our abandoned experience and just (laughs) how when we were at the secret beach area with your talking last time in the last podcast, we were hanging with Michael Shane Bloom and we felt like this is going to be the last minute. We're walking up, hiking up. We finally found Drew and I'm thinking, Mm -hmm. you know, he needs a ride back to his car the whole way up. He didn't recognize the trail. He thought, you know, I don't think we came down this way. And so when we got to the top, he saw for sure his vehicle. He's like, vehicle, no, we definitely didn't come this way. <laughs> definitely did not. My vehicle's not here. It's just down the road a little bit. So Drew and I start driving him over there. And we left Kirk and Brendan behind because we don't have anyone sitting on laps. We just wanted to go quickly. And then I could not find it. I mean, Drew was with me. Did you ever see the car when we went through the first time? No, yeah, it was tucked down off the road. Mm. Quite a ways there. When we ended up finally seeing it, he went off on the side of the road and then kind of down a little bit where it was behind the railing. Oh, okay. That's the first place we passed. Yeah. And I was thinking about parking there too. It's the hidden wrong logging road (laughs) or something Mm -hmm. down there. 
And so when you see it as you're curving, you you see railing and you think, okay, there's definitely not there. But at the time I'm starting to look, I'm already past the vehicle. And then on the way back, I could never do my slowdown on time. I was throwing everyone around. I'd turn around three times just to finally get in a position. And then we said our sad goodbyes. <laughs> see you, Michael Shaneblum and Serena Ho. Thanks for hanging out with us. I hope we get to see you someday again. Drove back, picked up Brendan, and on the way back, drove over Drew's headphones. Yeah, yeah, we ran over the headphones <laughs> that I just bought. Uh, oh wait, and you, and you were still crying just a little bit at that point for you know, <laughs> Michael lo- losing Michael. Michael. <laughs> Good night forever. I just sat there looking in the window and put my hand up against it. Yeah, it was something Michael, like that. You could have been best friends. <laughs> and then. Some more surprises were packing in these guys. They came back and asked us if we wanted to go to dinner. I, I debated mm-hmm. on inviting him out to dinner, but I thought that would have been just really fanboy, geeky, yeah. just Im- imposing on him. And then he'd have to be faced with, do I reject the offer and be Yeah, because mean? we didn't know their schedule or anything. So Yeah, you don't want them to say yes just because they feel too bad saying no. Yeah. So sometimes you just don't ask. And when he offered, I was like, yes! <laughs> and they knew a place, too. They already had in mind a good place to go to. Oh. We just followed them. That was awesome. <laughs> this is the part of the trip that we haven't talked about, guys, is that we started out in Portland with sushi for lunch, Thai for dinner, and then we made it down to Brookings and had Thai for dinner on the way there. The next day, we had sushi for lunch again, but where was it? It was, it was in... there. It was... It was uh, in whatever. Brookings. Yeah, it was in Brookings. In Brookings, yeah. And then we had Thai for dinner. <laughs> Two days straight. Because we're like, sushi. where do you want to go? They're like, oh, we know this good Thai place. And we're like, okay, perfect. That fits the pattern just fine. <laughs> <laughs> sushi Thai, sushi Thai. That's the way to go. Apparently, when Photog Adventures goes out on trips, we're all seafood or Asian food is delicious. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And our wives don't love it as much as we do, so I think that's why. Yeah, no, mine totally. does. That's... My wife will not eat anything that's fish. Really, anything oh. that comes out of the ocean, she won't eat. <laughs> that's too bad that's yeah. too bad so we had our plenty yeah. of our fill they invited us out there and so now we're hanging out with michael and serena at dinner he's telling stories about how in san francisco he gets his gear stolen out of his car so he has all of it with him at the dinner table because he's just too paranoid now he yeah serena worth. does too actually uh-huh i think that's what you get for being a world traveler you just keep <laughs> yourself with you all the time you don't risk it no, I think you have to do it that way. Yeah. I know when I traveled Europe, I always kept my stuff on my back. It was easier. Yeah. With us at that dinner, I was exhausted at this point. Mm-hmm. We hadn't slept much in two nights, and this was the second night out, and I was just looking forward to getting to a place and sleeping, and I was trying to be fun at dinner, but I really wasn't in my best, you know, Aaron's A game. I was just so exhausted. So let's let these guys talk, and we heard a mm-hmm. bunch of great stories still. And then we got back to our Airbnb and with Michael and Serena. We brought them back home. We kidnapped them. Yeah. And, <laughs> and I went to bed, and you guys stayed up till midnight or 1 o'clock in the morning because you were so full of energy. Yeah, I thought I was tired until he played Curb Your Enthusiasm, and then they kept watching episodes of Curb Your Enthusiasm. And then we just chilled on the couch and watched that and talked and – stuff and yeah. if you guys are out there airbnb is fantastic if you can find a place that lets you have a last minute sign up or it just has a 
the feeling of an Airbnb versus hotel room is you get a person's house. You get their main mm-hmm. room, the TV, the kitchen. Everyone has separate spaces to go and sleep. I mean, this one had four it's rooms. Awesome. Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah, it was a great place. I ended up on the couch in order to give everyone a place to stay, but it was so worth it because we were hanging out with Michael and Serena again. So it was a blast. Washer and dryer. It, yeah, seriously, get to wash did. stuff. We went through everything and washed it. That mm-hmm. was great. And it rained on us the next day. As we're going to bed, we're all looking at mm-hmm. the weather reports. We're looking at what could happen. What time sunrise? Okay. Do we want to go out? And everyone kind of had this feeling of being on the fence of, I'm eh, tired. It's raining. <laughs> but if it's raining. Okay. So we kind of decided 5 a.m., check the weather. If it's raining at all. We'll all sleep. Bag it. Mm-hmm. And I was out there on the couch closest to the outside door, and it was kind of my job to wake up at that time, go out and check the weather. And I kept hoping and crossing my fingers that it would be raining. I'm like, yes, come on, rain, rain. And yeah, it was not only raining, it was crazy windy. So I knew it. We were all going to sleep in, and it was fantastic. It was, and uh, it rained the entire day, actually. I mean, we, we had were basically nothing. driving all day in the rain. So at this point, we flew in Sunday. We, you know, we flew in Monday or we flew in Sunday? Monday. Monday. So Tuesday was spent at our area out there at Crescent City in the morning for the Redwoods and mm-hmm. Secret Beach at night. So it's Wednesday now on our trip, and there's nothing to shoot, nothing we can go do. It was just crazy gray, filled skies, soaking wet. Well, we went out. I, I mean, after we ate breakfast late breakfast we went down um to the to that spot that was above secret beach oh yeah there mm-hmm. um and that that was cool um we saw that what, what was that thing called kurt where the there's the hole in the rock that the tide comes through um that we could see uh, down i think into? it's a, the thunder cave thunder, thunder cave, cave or, thunder or thunder cove or thunder cove is what the the pullout was called and okay. then that specifically okay. was tunnel rock Tunnel rock. It mm, was cool, um, it was. but it you know I mean the the light's not fantastic or anything because it's really flat from just completely rainy, um, and it, it, I mean it it would it was that weather where it was stop raining for fifteen minutes and then start again on you and then mm-hmm. stop and mm-hmm. start again on you. It was a so, good day for scouting. It yeah. was, it was, and that was it was cool to go out and stand on that scary point right above secret beach there (laughs) but that was like a cliffside you know that was fun though it was one of those slopes where it's wet because the grasses are wet and the rain is coming in and it just had that right gradation that you could slip at any moment but also was really fine Mm -hmm. so we just kind of crouched low held on to the vegetation as you went down the slip the most slick steep spot and then you were out on this one spot that was flat enough Totally safe. You never felt like you were going to fall off. Yeah, but if you had fallen any direction, you would not have. I mean, re- You'd probably literally, die if you if had you if you had fallen down any direction, your head would be three feet below your body before or be- below your feet before you hit the ground. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So yeah, it it was a it was pretty gnarly. It was there. one of those. I don't know. It's like an. Uh, a tiny land point that came out to just two person wide area, little, little peninsula, little yeah. peninsula. Yeah. And so, yeah, like you couldn't expect to live if you slip. And yet we all risked going out there because it was, <laughs> it was too, too cool. cool. It was too cool. <laughs> I wonder what the sunset from the night before was from mm. looked like from that spot. Didn't you right. guys have that feeling? I immediately arrived and said, ah, oh, this is where I should have been last night. Mm. Yeah. 
Uh, you'd have had a bunch of uh, photographers down on the the beach and it'd ruining be ruining it. your photos. Uh, uh, yeah, and the <laughs> other thing is is that if you're if you were there with a group, you would literally, I mean, that little spot would only be good for one person. You know, that's a good point. Uh, yeah, I mean, the, you, and that one person would be in everybody else's shot. Yeah, ruin it. <laughs> We'd have to stay back up where about Nick Page's shot. So you guys know what we're talking about. If you look at Nick Page's podcast cover art, that's this spot. From yeah. this angle, mm-hmm. you can capture that um, sea stack that has all the trees on top of it and the sun setting behind it during certain parts yeah. of the year. That, that's the spot. Unfortunately, that spot had these crazy, like, coastal cactus things that were like cactus leaves on the mm-hmm. side that you had to grab onto. If you would did slip, you yeah. end up grabbing a bunch of needles. <laughs> so that was fun. I came I, out with two of those. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I think I was lodged I in didn't. my hand the whole trip. I scared you, but I, I was fine. Good. I had great big, huge hiking boots that whole time. Well, I did I too. It's just the yeah. hand part. Is, yeah. Yeah. The thing about going and with gloves. friends gloves, is yeah. you don't worry about their their situation as much. But then I had these friends that were here for a listener adventure too. So I had this mixed feeling of they're just my buddies. You know, they they're gonna take care of themselves and. Their listeners, I'm kind of responsible for them. If they have any incident, they could take Photog Adventures insurance for it. And it's like, ugh, I was more nervous about Drew. Like, he was my child. It's like, no, don't <laughs> do not do that. That's risky. It's if okay, I'm there, Dad. I'll be fine. But you're there. That's risky. <laughs> so I've this... got good insurance, Dad. I'm okay. <laughs> I had the whole time thinking, okay, I can't do anything until Drew's back. At one point, I said... Drew, whenever you're done, come back because I feel worried and I can't do anything else until you're back here safe. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. But it's a beautiful spot. When you see the video, Brennan has some shots where he held the camera out over the cliff edge and you just see that it's sheer drop off. Yeah, I was just watching it the other day, actually. And uh, it's dizzying when I lift the camera up to actually show the perspective of where we are. It's freaky. It's going to be awesome to put that in the video. <laughs> and to put into perspective how easy it is to get that hike is you get that same parking spot at the Thunder Rock Cove and you go down. But instead of going and hugging the side on the right and then going down to the beach, you stay left and take the switchbacks to take you all the way down to this side. Halfway down, I realized I didn't make sure I locked the car. And we have <clears throat> thousands of dollars of gear up in that car. Tens of thousands <laughs> yeah that's a good point his his drone equipment everything we all oh, had left right. behind yeah yeah tens of thousands really fast and so i'm thinking oh no i gotta go back up and so i start heading up and as i'm getting closer and closer i'm just hitting the button to lock i'm like please honk 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 and the more i have to hike i'm hoping that come on just reach from this point i'm close enough right so i can cut my hike a little bit but going all the way back and coming out wasn't that bad it's not a very long hike no just don't get as far down as i did before you realize you have to go lock your vehicle you know kirk and i had no idea what was holding you up <laughs> i was just down old, there yeah. going man he's a slow hiker <laughs> and it was downhill I thought you were taking a leak, but you <laughs> did that later. So Yeah, I took care of that. And during that moment, that pensive moment, I realized, oh, I didn't lock the vehicle. Mm. So then I went up there. And so <laughs> on the way down to this, we were just exploring and then drove the rest of the way to Bandon. And we listened to Nick Page's podcast. He had actually come out with a podcast episode talking about ocean mm-hmm, photography mm-hmm. and on the coast photography. So it's really cool to listen to that and go through and talk with these guys. And I think Drew was out almost immediately. 
Yeah. You were conked back there, right? You're probably way uncomfortable with a van. Picture a van like a soccer mom's van that has two captain chairs in the middle. Drew mm-hmm. and Kirk were sitting on that. There's about a thousand cup holders, but they don't have all of the conveniences for plugging in your phone and having an auxiliary cables. That was harder to find, mm-hmm. but was eventually mm-hmm. found in the vehicle. Yeah, we had to make we made, we made it work. It was yeah. comfortable enough. It was. I think the best reason about having everyone go at the same vehicle is we split the cost of a nice expensive rental mm-hmm. and had a really as comfortable as we could expect trip going through all of that. So yeah, now brand new minivans. Yeah. And on the way back, we're hitting every single pole off that we can to check out the coast and explore the area. And we finally make it to Bandon and we're going up to Shore Acres. And that's when we get a heads up from Michael and Serena, who've already made it there that they closed at 5. Like, oh, mm. my gosh. They closed already at 5 p.m.? We thought we could scout it and see it in our eyesight, even though it wouldn't be great photography at that point. But we even thought maybe a Milky Way shot out there later. Maybe we'll hang out and we'll check out. But no. I mean, this point in this time of year, we had 10, 15 minutes for the first part of the first nights out there. You could see the Milky Way core still above the horizon. Mm. But only if it was clear and they had no clouds on that horizon was it possible and most nights it wasn't yeah there's too many too many clouds everywhere the whole yeah. week yeah. yeah so when we got got that news we turned around went back into abandon and started looking for a place to eat and hang out with Michael and Serena again and that night was just a hangout we just hung out had food watched more curb your enthusiasm while Michael and Serena got in their facebook and laptops and started working on stuff and oh, I don't know. We didn't do anything of a significance that first night. Mm-mm. We just got ready for the sunrise the next morning. And even though it was raining, we decided we were going to go out. And holy crap, man, I'm so glad we did. Yeah, it was awesome. Awesome. We haven't Beautiful. given, you know, Kirk much time to talk. So he explained the abandoned sunrise. Oh, uh, the it was cloudy and uh, the sun came up. Now there's a... Uh, <laughs> That's nice break in the clouds, uh, really nice uh, sunrise in Bandon. It had rained all day the day before, and we got out there, and there were still a few clouds and still a few random drops, but it was way better than the day before. Um, we went out to uh, Face Rock uh, State Park, parked uh, right next to the stairs. There's stairs that go straight down to the beach. We got down to the uh, cliff, and uh, everybody unloaded all their gear you know, up away from the uh, tide. And uh, since we'd been there last uh, June, we kind of knew our way around, and we kind of just kind of headed out for uh, that wizard hat rock. And uh, I got one of my Sony A6300s out and set it up for a time lapse and had it up near the cliff so it was out of the wind because it was still a little windy. And uh, got that going, so it was taking a picture every 10 seconds or so. And then I headed out onto the beach and uh, joined the rest of the guys out there. And uh, the the clouds got better as the morning uh, progressed. They, they kind of cleared out. We got some more blue sky. Um, and it was just one of those every time you turn around, something cool behind you um, had appeared. So you'd, like, turn around <laughs> and start shooting to the northwest. And you'd shoot that for a few minutes. Then you'd realize, oh, hey, the clouds to the south west are looking better so you'd turn around and start shooting over in that direction and the tide was coming in so you had to watch your tripod make sure it didn't get knocked over as the tide was coming in but uh um just moved around all morning and took a you know 
about 200 photos, I think, in the, what, two hours we were out there? <laughs> right. And for Easily, a morning... Yeah. For a morning that we thought was impossible, maybe it was not going to work out. We just decided to go out anyway. It turned out fantastic. Well, yeah, as, I mean, as, as I remember, it was actually sprinkling on us when we got out of the car, wasn't right? it? Right. Yeah. Lack of confidence. As soon as you feel the rain on you, you're thinking, oh, man, there will be no sun. And we, but, we, but we were looking out the distance saying, okay, it's not raining in front of us, and that's coming towards us. So, yeah. And sure enough, as soon as we got to the beach, it pretty much stopped raining. Yeah, we it was, thought it would get it better. Awesome. As we went through that whole night and the sky started opening up and you actually have some sun rays hitting rocks, we knew, yes, mm-hmm. I mean, sometimes, even though it doesn't look good getting out of bed, doesn't look good getting out to the car, sometimes it still look good when you get there. You just got to get out with your camera and get down in position and get through the experience, see what happens. And man, what happened was awesome. So let's go through a little bit of the photography, guys. I mean, we talked about how the sky got better and everything, but photographically speaking, what went well for everybody? Let's Let's start there. Drew, with your experience out at the Bandon Sunrise, what went well for you in the photography? Well, I... I had never been to Bandon Beach before. You guys went um, before and got the. I, I remember These are the same rocks that we shot a Milky Way over too. Mm-hmm. Right, right. We I remember seeing the Milky Way shot, um, and and I so I recognized the rocks. It was really cool to see that wizard hat and stuff, and and uh, it was neat. I mean, w- everything's being backlit, so so the sun is coming up behind uh, us as we're looking out towards the ocean. Yeah, right. And mm-hmm. and so that I mean, you could see. You get some color in the in the clouds, and I remember when we woke up, we'd been looking at the weather apps, and we knew it would be patchy. Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. like it's like oh, it's raining over there, but it's not here, and there's a hole over here, and and everything. And so I yeah. think we we're kind of hopeful and excited about that, and it turned out really well. But um, I think my favorite stuff. I mean, you know, I started in pretty close to the wizard hat, and and those the the different uh, the different rocks and. And then as the as the sun rose, I loved how you you know th- this happens with sunrises and sunsets where just for that little bit of time, you get that the sun where it's peeking through a hole and shining underneath the cloud cover. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah. And mm-hmm. and when it did that, you know then then you get one rock face lighting up. And so so we get the rock face that is towards us lighting up. And then the one that is on the, on the ocean side is dark. And so I, I went at that point and I went way up the beach and uh, it's funny. Cause I mean, if you see my pictures and we, if, if I blow them up, I can see you guys down there with tripods and stuff like that. But wow, we're tiny, in but that you're tiny cause you're way down there. Cause I went way up the beach up by the stairs even. And I got this oh, big pano, up there, I remember you were like, oh, was I in your way? Well, for one, you were yeah. moving, you know, because I was doing HDR because my my uh, oh. 7D here. And so so I, I blended a couple together, and so you disappear anyhow oh, to some degree. But um, it was <laughs> the the range of that, that dark side of the rocks and then being backlit. I wanted to shoot down the beach instead of out towards the – out towards the ocean or, you know, I mean, there's just no way to get those, the, the light face and the dark face without looking down beach rather than, than out towards the ocean or obviously I couldn't get out in the water. Yeah. yeah. And, and so that worked pretty well. I wanted to get that angle on it and, and seeing your long panorama and how it's going from the yellow Mm. to the blues all the way through and how the lights hit in the sea stacks and over here. You got both worlds of light all in one shot, and you really took advantage of it. 
yeah, it was it was really fun. I the the thing that bummed me out, my my downside what didn't there, go well for you. It is that I mean, you know, the night before we had been out uh, was Secret, Secret Beach, Beach yeah. and that was awesome. But the thing that I I was stupid is I I had not tried my boundary socks yet or oh, or my mm. uh, or or my I, I brought my Keens and my boundary socks and I was going to wear those together. And, um, and, and I was still wearing my awesome hiking boots and I was, I, I didn't make that mistake when we went out and did beach, beach stuff again, because I, I wanted to go in the water. I watched you while going in there without, I mean, you didn't have boundary socks or anything, but you just like waded in with your Kings and cold or not, man, you weren't going to miss that shot. I didn't want to ruin my boots. So I, I was like, God dang it. So you said they're <laughs> waterproof boots. What were you afraid of with the boots? I was afraid that I, even though I was wearing pants that were pretty waterproofed, I, I was afraid that I was going to get hit with a wave that was enough of a wave that would come over the top of my boots. Oh, okay. you know, into them. salt water yeah. inside Fill my nice leather up boots. With water. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I did. I didn't want to do that, so I stayed away a little bit. And then for the rest of the trip, I made sure I didn't. I was I was properly attired for sandy beaches with water on them. So well, mm-hmm. right on. So Brendan, what went well and didn't go well for you out there? So um, I when I first got to the beach, I set my my iPhone up on the rock that we set like our backs up against like the rock cliff. And I had that facing out, you know, towards us and I put that on time-lapse and I let that go. And I took my big camera and I went down and I, you know, um, because we were already there in the summertime, I just explored the heck out of the rocks and got a lot closer. I got on top of one of the rocks. Like it was a big hump. I mean, it was probably like three feet off of the sand and um, really started shooting around getting the waves, you know, crashing in and over and just mm-hmm. playing with the 70 to 300 for a while. Um, that was really cool to zoom in and get some waves crashing against the rocks mm, and yeah. stuff. And um, unfortunately, even- you know, Drew's looking at a shot right now and my, my shots from that day are still on that other card that I was, <sighs> that I lost. So yeah, I haven't had a chance to look at those. So oh, um, like you guys have. So, um, but I do remember just really enjoying the time that I had there and just exploring every little like <laughs> nook and cranny that I could during the time. And then when the sun came up, I remember turning around and getting the 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 clouds that are lit up by the sunrise and playing with that a little bit. And like Kirk had said, like flipping around every couple of minutes and doing different stuff. Um, it just makes your card makes me sick every time I hear that. It just makes me cringe. Yeah. We already mentioned it off ca- off camera, away from Mike earlier, that Drew has a solution that ha- he's decided to do every time he goes out now with his memory cards. And we're going to save that for tip of the week later yeah, it's on. it's a good tip. Really good it's tip. It's a really good tip, and I have yeah. to go and follow it right myself. So, I mean, I remember some of the shots I took and what went, went well, but, you know, I can't reflect really composition-wise and stuff. Don't really remember, but I just remember having a lot of fun being there and just yeah. taking advantage of being glad that we went out and, and were persistent, even though the weather was even bad when we got there. <laughs> just going down there on the beach and it's like just doing it, making it happen. It just cleared up. It was awesome. And the morning was beautiful. And uh, what didn't go well was my time lapse ended up being blurry. So I, oh, I have yeah, that on my yeah. phone. My phone's right here. <laughs> I was just looking at it, showing Drew a minute ago and... Sure enough, the iPhone doesn't focus well at the dark. And it won't refocus in the time lapse. It doesn't focus in between right. each shot. So I started the time lapse. It was focused on like 
my finger, I guess I was in front of it, barely <laughs> focused on that. And then it started a time lapse and it was all blurry. So yeah. it might make for a cool background time lapse. It's all <laughs> bokeh time lapse, you know. So. Imagine someone drunk waking up <laughs> and what they could see. <laughs> right. So, so with your, what went well, what didn't go well, you didn't have your pictures to look at, but just photographically, anything stand out as just a major challenge that you couldn't overcome in this morning? I mean, there were lots of challenges because um, – it was still a unique area to me. I'm still not that familiar, even though we went once. Right. Um, so I was just shooting and recomposing like every other minute, you know, so. And when you think about our Milky Way photography there with, with Kirk back in June, mm-hmm. we didn't have to tackle the waves. The waves were never something we were considering in the shot. Mm-hmm. It was just the fact there's water, here's sea stack, here's the Milky Way. Yeah, and as long as we were on the beach and dry, we are fine, right? Yeah. So it was we no never thought deal. about waves or getting the right timing on the waves mm-hmm. and the Milky Way. We never needed to even consider that. Yeah, and so this is the, having the waves crash and create a new texture and a new highlights on the rocks was definitely more of a challenge than, than typical um, nighttime photography for sure. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah. For those of us who had memory cards, sorry, Brendan, who we were able to look at those pictures throughout the whole trip, and you have some in the later half, in the last half of the trip. Yeah. You look at these pictures and you'd see your images of the same composition where it's like four or five shots, all completely different with the amount of white sea foam versus wave versus pullback versus enter. They all had completely different looks, right? Yeah, yeah they did. Different texture. Even though you love the composition, you're now looking at this completely different way that the composition's being highlighted, and now you got to pick your favorite child of all your children. <laughs> and I lost 2,000 of them. <laughs> no wonder why it hurts so much. You're a bad parent. <laughs> so, uh, Kirk, what went well and what didn't go well for you out there, other than having three cameras, two running time lapse, <laughs> and basically owning us with all of your cameras out there? Uh, well, it was just the one time lapse on the uh, A6300 oh, right. and the A7R is what I shot with uh, that morning, and then I had a spare A6300 in the backpack, and it I left just... the A6 I left the A6000 at home because you know I always bring too much gear. But, <laughs> I still uh, managed right. to double the amount of gear we had in the car, <laughs> you, you, but you, yeah, we were traveling. So, you know, he, so a... but you know, he was traveling light because he left that deck of card size camera home. <laughs> yes, yeah. true. You you didn't bring a giant A6000. But we were depending on Kirk too on this whole trip. We all flew in with the minimal stuff we could mm-hmm. bring and then Kirk was kind of our backup. He brought, you know, power strips, yeah, other things. Bare tripods and yeah. all sorts of stuff just in case. Yeah, you awesome. weren't really packing and heavy. wrenches. You were packing and... for us. Right. Exactly. <laughs> so, so with your band and sunrise, what were the challenges and highlights of it? Well, the thing I liked best was uh, the clouds. All through the morning, the clouds were just constantly changing, and mm-hmm. the sky was clearing. Um, but there were still these big thunder clouds, you know, looking, uh, you know, cumulus clouds off over the ocean that were just kind of billowing up and blowing by all morning. And uh, even w- though the sunrise wasn't uh, what you know, colorful. I mean, it was all, you know, blues and whites and a little bit of warmth, but it wasn't just one of those neon uh, morning sunrises, but still it was a, you know, a gorgeous morning. And, uh, like I said, you turn around and, you know, everything was different just a couple minutes later from when you had just looked at it a few minutes, uh, before. And, uh, so that's what I thought went really well for that morning. 
I want to see um, your time lapse because oh, that'll show those wait. clouds. I haven't yeah, seen me too. Yeah. You have a longer time <laughs> lapse than I put up there, and I already shared that. And the trans- transition from sunrise, uh, from the dark of the sunrise to the actual light hitting the rocks, I got a battery loss. I had a battery that died, oh. so I had to switch batteries. And so it goes from dark to getting a little bit lighter dark to cut. And it's all of a sudden every rock has light on them. Oh. So I don't even have that transition. And so Kirk is going to have that, and that's going to be a much better time lapse. Yeah, we were, we got out there a little more fo- little before seven, and I think we left uh, just about nine o'clock. And I remember this looked like a, a big rainstorm uh, heading right towards us, so we all kind of hurried off the beach uh, really quick and hopped back in the car. But uh, oh yeah, because it started um, raining on us as we left, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, it did start raining. Yeah. But what was some yeah. of the challenges that you had trying to capture cool photos? While you were yeah, there my, during the sunrise. my biggest challenge that morning was uh, keeping sand out of my camera as I tried to change lenses. Because <laughs> uh, he likes to my, roll around in the sand when he changes lenses. It was blowing. Well, I, I'd learned that from your uh, Bandon trip last time, <laughs> where you're uh, <laughs> yeah. shooting on the ground. Don't expect waves to come in consistently, always to the same height. <laughs> mm-hmm. I had to change lenses before we uh, went out there, and. Uh, um, I'm just always super nervous about the uh, mirrorless cameras uh, getting dust on the sensor because there's no mirror to block any dirt from getting into the uh, the shutter box of the camera. And uh, but that that for me that's one of those tricks that I've learned is is I always try to to with my mirrorless cameras I, I try to open the camera where the sensor is always facing down so nothing lands on it. But then you still you have to keep make sure you keep your caps on. I am so careful with making sure that I keep the caps on all of my lenses immediately. And you have to do that juggle where where you you know you take the cap off and you pop the 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 one off the camera and then you you know put the one on and switch it all without dropping them in the sand or the water. Right, Kirk? Mm. Exactly. Yeah. It always makes me nervous, uh, changing, you know, that, that was the nice thing about film was every time you wound the film, you had a fresh piece of film that came past the felt in the, uh, you know, the cassette and you didn't really have to worry about, uh, having tons of dust in there. Yeah. Mm. You did have to worry about the, uh, you know, the shadow of that, you know, one piece of cat fur that somehow got stuck right behind your lens <laughs> right. that always cast a shadow on every single picture in almost the exact same spot. But, uh, you know, times change and, you know, problems change. My uh, tip is don't have a cat. <laughs> problem solved. <laughs> uh, so well, piece, of, piece of chicken uh, feather. Chicken feather. Yeah, chicken, down. chicken fluff. You yeah, bring down. that up as a major challenge for you. Did you actually have an incident with sand getting in there, or were you just worried about it the whole time? Um, well, I was just kind of worried about it, but uh, before we went to uh, um, Crater Lake and Bandon in June, I had uh, the cameras all cleaned, and as soon as we uh, were shooting on like that first morning out at the Bandon Lighthouse, one of the cameras had a big chunk of dust, right in the middle of the uh, frame. Oh, and really? I did this uh, time lapse of the uh, lighthouse, Ooh. and I had to spot that dust out of every frame. <laughs> I think there were like a 1,000 frames in that time lapse. <laughs> and uh, uh, so I went and, you know, copied it Sync from... It. Uh, yeah. 
yeah, in Lightroom from one to the next. And that's at least you very know, that easy. Worked, mm-hmm. Yeah, that worked perfectly. But still, it's like you know, gets on your nerves that you know you cleaned all that stuff, and then the very first thing you go take pictures with, it ends up having <laughs> yeah. a big chunk of dust in the middle of the frame. So mm. that's that's a great part about the spot fix in the Lightroom and then syncing up your photos. But the problem I've had, and I remember from our Grand Teton trip, I had many frames where I had fixed the spots. And you know how that clones one section from here and has an arrow drawn to the mm-hmm. area you're trying to fix. And it mm-hmm. shows those two, you know, here's where I'm pulling from and it's cloned in here now. Well, after syncing several dozen, I would see that I would have spots again. And for some reason, it was having a glitch back then where the overlap of the spot and the clone were the same spot. It moved away from where I assigned it. And so in a sync, sometimes you might have to double check that everything went to the right spot you're expecting Mm -hmm. it to because I had some spots return and I had to clean it up a lot. You create your own spot. But man, if you're going to have dust on your sensor or something ruin an image, it stinks that that's during a time lapse because you got to fix it a thousand plus times. Mm -hmm. It worked out because it was in a spot of clear blue sky just above the uh, the, the grass on the horizon. On a time lapse, it's perfect unless you've got it on a syrup or something like that where it's moving because it's exactly the same composition. So if you set the clone spot up to to wherever it is, it's always the same spot. The problem with, you know, if you go take dozens of pictures and then you try to clone the dust removal, um, you know, you're going to – you, you're going to have it, – it doesn't move every time. It's pulling from the same spot. Yep. So if mm-hmm. you take a picture of a building and and it's pulling a blue spot in to fix the dust spot that's on the tan building or something, then <laughs> yep. you it You pull work. different things that completely won't work. Yeah. 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 Like time-lapsing, it's a, it's a perfect solution. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's a good point. So for me and Bandin, guys, my what went well and what didn't go well – I did have a blast in Bandon on the beach versus what Secret Beach was like. Secret Beach, giant sea stacks. You kind of felt like you had to step back to really get your composition and frame Mm. these cool sea stacks. In Bandon, they're small. They're short. They're right in front of you, a wide-angle lens. You can stand right up next to them. And it was a blast standing in the water, waist-deep at some times. I remember you crying. (laughs) I never cried. <laughs> That's not true. I never cried. Oh, my feet are cold. <laughs> Guys, help me. I just stood there like I a toddler, holding stops. my elbows in tight and kind of quivering, hoping for you to come out there, pick me yep. up, and move me. <laughs> so at one point, I was in the middle of a frame and I'm thinking, okay, next time it pulls back, I got this. And I'm setting up and I'm not paying attention. And I actually pulled my camera down to look at something. And a big wave came, splashed my waist and hips, and splashed around my camera. <gasps> I just barely moved miss completely soaking my camera in a way oh my gosh (laughs) yeah i just wasn't paying attention you never turn your back on the waves when you're out there Mm -hmm. don't think that well those last few were easy (laughs) well that 60s not weather sealed right Technically, it's not as good as what a 5D Mark IV and Mark III has, but it has some. And I've gotten it plenty wet, but never submersed. I mean, Mm -hmm. honestly, that is the biggest reason I switched from the seven. uh, I mean, the A7R2 to the R3. Oh yeah. For other people, you know that that it's like, oh, it has two slots or shoots faster. I mean, those are all nice, but for me, it was I was always freaked out about the the weather (laughs) sealing. And I mean, this I don't. I don't anticipate this being as good as my 7D Mark II or a 5, 5D or you anything You mean as like far that. as weather sealing yeah, goes? Yeah, I, I, I don't anticipate that the weather sealing hmm. is still as good, but the fact that it's there is huge for me. It's comforting. Huge. You mm-hmm. don't have that concern. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah, well, I mean, when we were out there, you know, I, we, when we'll talk about Thor as well later, but I <laughs> mean, my camera got soaked with salt water and I just held it up in the rain, rinsed it off, you know, <laughs> and it's fine. Oh, but, let's get some of that water off of here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I love the whole feeling of being a photographer who was just in there with the models and my models were all the sea stacks right there on the beach. It's yeah. beautiful. Brendan was mentioning the small rock as the wave comes around it and makes this shape or big sea stacks and how the waves curled as they came around those spots. It was really, really fun. And then what went wrong for me? I start, It started getting brighter. The sun was coming through. We were having success there. But then I was kind of expecting that I would be able to survive with just a little one-second shutter, not having to do too much mm-hmm. because it was so dark and overcast. Now, when that light came, I needed to have something like my 10 stop out and start pulling pulling back, you know, with that stop, mm. big stopper on and then pulling back longer exposure so that I could see the wave movement. These waves, they weren't fast. They weren't rushing in and rushing out. And so you kind of had to patiently wait. One second wasn't enough. I think it was a two or three that I really liked where it had the nice shapes and the nice flow. And I went back there and I foolishly, I, I've watched Brendan put this filter holder on the Tamron 15 to 30 lenses that we have. And I thought that'd be enough. I thought, hey, I've seen him do it. I know how to put it on. And then I get there on the spot, and I'm trying to put it on. Mm. And even Kirk sat there and helped me, and he's got an engineering mind, and he's looking through it, and we're both wondering, is there a part we're missing? What's yeah, missing? Yeah, it was a puzzle. <laughs> it was. Well, the problem is I, I showed you like a week or two before yeah. uh, we even went. So, so much had happened, and your brain just wasn't. And you it know, was one of those like, things where I needed tactile memory, where I had actually mm-hmm. done it myself once. Right, right. Visually, I couldn't pull back that there's this one piece that does unscrew, and those being disconnected actually caused it to expand just enough that you could get it over the barrel of the Tamron lens. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then you screw it back on, and it really tightens. And that's what was missing. It just was so loose on the Tamron. I couldn't figure out why. And it seemed impossible to ever go any further. But as soon as you loosened it just a bit and unscrewed those two parts, it really slid on easily. It's perfect. And I blew it. That whole morning, I couldn't use my filter. And so then I just kind of gave up on, well, I'm not going to get my shot I'm really wanting. Hmm. And so what do I do? I go and save with a time lapse. And time lapse is awesome, but it also is a negative because (laughs) right now I have one camera body. And unless I rent or buy another one, I get committed to a time lapse and that's it. I'm stuck. Mm. That's what Mm. I'm doing. And I felt stuck the rest of that morning because I wanted to have my time lapse be really solid all the way through and go for a few seconds and not be something so brief that it was unwatchable or hard to enjoy. And then you run out of batteries. (laughs) Yes. And then, of course, during the transition from actual no light to sunlight, I lost it because the dang battery was out. And I'm walking back and forth and double-checking it after waves hit it. And finally, I come back, and I see it's black. I'm like, ah, camera out, battery out, battery back in, boom, go. I probably lost only a few minutes, but those were the minutes when Mm, the light hit our rocks. Yep, it was brilliant. Well, yeah, I mean, it's a good thing we have Kirk's time lapse. No kidding. He had those big battery Sony 
alpha cameras, you know. <laughs> Big batteries. Right, right. Yeah, you, you Sony's never have well to worry known for batteries. Batteries <laughs> in the A6300. <laughs> so it went yeah, very they're well. They're good for three hours. <laughs> <laughs> it was a fun area. We all were so excited that we were willing to get up and try and just go out and see, despite the way the weather would make us feel like, eh, it's not going to really work out, guys. We were, we were persevered. We persevered, went through, and we had a blast. So let's go ahead and take our first break of the podcast. We'll come back and we'll talk about Shore Acres and Hasita Head Lighthouse. All right, cool. Sometimes when you're out there in a place that you've never been before, you're thinking, I got to go out with my camera, but I got 30 minutes before sunset. Where am I going to go? What's close? And something that Brendan and I have used is this really good photo spots app from Improved Photography. You can set up a spot where you're currently at and have 50 miles from that and get places, or you can set someplace up that you're, you know you're going to be. If you have a buddy that's coming and he wants to do photography with you and you're thinking, okay, this is where I want to take it. This place is awesome. Make sure that that place is in this app so that when other people are in that area they can find it and they can see your picture see your website see your information and maybe find more information about you and follow your photography it's a cool way for those of us to help other photographers like-minded photographers see cool locations in the area really good photo spots app has been fantastic it's one of the good apps that's really one run well jim did a good job so go to improvephotography.com and check out the really good photo spots app Welcome back to the Photog Adventures podcast. We just talked about our time in Bandon, and now in Bandon, we're driving up to a place that's really close. You go on the way to Coos Bay, and you pull back out on the coast, and you get to the state park. I think it's a state park, right, Kirk? Shore Acres? Yeah, Shore Acres. Shore state Acres park. is a state park there. It is awesome, and yet it's it's really small. It's not much. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's the old... Sp- it's a spot where the mansion used to be, right? Like it used to be like a residence. Is that why it's so famed? Because when you think yeah, about the think rocks so. there, they have some really curious rock formations that cause great splashes of waves. Mm-hmm. And so that's cool. And that's what it's really known for, are those really gigantic waves that could crash and go 50 to 100 feet high. Yeah. But other than that, I mean, it was just another beautiful Oregon coast and it was extra beautiful compared to most of you know Oregon's coasts but mm-hmm. when you think about Shore Acres how do you guys describe the photography there in silence in silence <laughs> <laughs> it had some it, really Drew. cool things to to uh yeah, that was your first time there Drew you tell us your first impression like when you get there you go okay I'm doing photography what was the first thing you thought oh this is what I'm going to do here well, my first instinct, I mean, it was cool to see off the cliff that we were there and see what was down there. And the weather was pretty right. wild there still. I mean, it was mm-hmm. raining on mm-hmm. us just a little bit. Tiny and, gaps of sun that would go away instantly. Right. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and I remember, I mean, I think that's the first place we got the drone out. And, yep, uh, it was. And, and we flew the drone. And there was some, uh, one of the things that was really fun, and I was a little nervous about it, is, is I, I could fly the drone out and there was a ridge of... It was cool because you're looking out and all of a sudden there's these big, huge waves crashing, but they're, what they're crashing against is a ridge of rock that must have just, it was just barely under the surface right. or barely sticking out. And as the waves would hit that, so you're looking out and it's, it's, prob- it's a ways out there. And there were big, big waves hitting that. And I, I flew the drone right over the top of those down mm-hmm. as, the, as the waves were crashing underneath. And that was fun. But then, uh, there, there, I mean, it was fun to see the surf because the surf was pretty incredible right there. And I think the thing that, I mean, that's what I saw when we very first got there. 
But then we went down to that little cove. What was that called? Simpsons Secret? Beach. Simpsons, Simpson Beach. Yeah. Simpson Beach. Simpson, eh? Yeah. And that was cool. Because now cool we're spot. down <laughs> even with the with the level of of the waves that we were seeing from up above before. Right. Mm-hmm. And so now it's kind of like you could really see the scale of those and and how huge they were um, crashing against the the mouth of this little cove. There were there was a set of rocks there, and man, there's some some huge waves. I just sat there and took wave picture after wave picture after wave picture down there. It was awesome. That's really what I think oh about gosh. when yeah. it comes to to the Shore Acres area is wave wave yeah. crashing wave photography. Huge. Majid Badzadigan has a really awesome wave shot where he went there on a giant swell and captured one of the most tall waves crashes that ever happened on that spot when you get to shore acres and you look out from the overlook on your right and Uh you see directly there's just these big just the rocks happen to have kind of a flat face and they're pointed jagged out towards the ocean so they're just like these backstops for waves and they curl them up and shoot them straight up at that point Mm -hmm. (laughs) it is fantastic yeah if you were there on a storm oh my gosh Oh my gosh. I mean, it's, you're in that cove, so you're protected or you're up on the top. So you're protected enough Oh yeah, that you, you know, it's not one of those places where the taking pictures of the waves could potentially be dangerous. I, I think exactly. I think you're okay because one back in that Simpson Cove there, you know, you could stay away from them mm-hmm. depending on where the, the tide was at the time, because by the time they come in that, you know, the energy is mostly spent, yeah, but you, yeah. you have a really good view of them hitting the jagged rocks that are over to the right. And it was, it was amazing. It was really fun. But I, I mean, I would love to be there on a crazy storm. <laughs> that would be awesome. Kirk, you were the one following the tide information for us. Do you recall what our tide was? I think it was just a low swell. It wasn't an av- above average or even very high swell, right? No, I think the uh, tide had, uh, I think it had come in from uh, Bandon in the morning and it was heading back out at that mm, point. Okay. So as far as tide, it was lower or heading towards low, but the swell, do you remember the swell information on how high it was? Yeah, I think it was uh, like three meters. It wasn't really a very high swell. So no. um, this place, Shore Acres, is just known for these crazy crashing waves, especially in the winter. Um, after you get a big storm come in, sometimes you'll get a, a clear spot of sky after it, and uh, all the photographers will just race down to Shore Acres and <laughs> uh, hope for uh, giant waves because the, the cliff is like 200 feet high, and the waves will crash, and they'll be like 250 feet high. Oof. I mean, it's just it's okay. amazing. I, was I take it back. If it, yeah, That could be dangerous. <laughs> oh, yeah, especially yeah. if you step over the guardrail. You're, if I said 100 feet high, I was understating it. You're saying it goes 250 sometimes? I, I, yeah, they're huge. Whoa. Oh, man. Wow. Okay, yeah, so you th- definitely wouldn't want to go down to Simpsons Beach on uh, – one I of those like days, that. but uh, yeah. yeah, I bet Simpsons Beach is Simpsons water pool. I mean, there's I, just I, no, I, yeah. I've, hey, I've got my cool little like explosive fanny pack. <laughs> You'll be, I took, oh yeah, with your I, life fun. jacket. Yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we haven't mentioned that yet. Uh, I'm gonna save that for like the ki- Cape Kiwanda part. <laughs> Let's talk about it <laughs> in Cape Kiwanda because that's yeah. where we really figured you need it and was absolutely not needed. But <laughs> in this situation, you guys, we knew we were doing low wave photography. Let's talk about what went well and didn't go well out here, but let's do it faster than abandoned. So a quick, what went well and what didn't go well, Kirk? 
Uh, what didn't go well was we needed more swell to get some more giant waves on the uh, the rocks off of Shore Acres. Um, little side note, my wife loves going to Shore Acres. There's a uh, botanical garden that's uh, uh, off yeah. to the side of the beach there between mm. the where the mansion used to be, where you look out over the, mm. uh, the rocks and down on Simpsons Beach. There's a huge botanical garden, and from uh, Thanksgiving to Christmas time, they have like several million light bulbs on all the oh, plants out there and whoa. it's on the plants it's, uh, yeah they they just decorate the garden up and it's that's cool people go there just to see the lights there we could see but, some uh, of the beginnings of christmas stuff being set up when we were there but i didn't yeah, realize how yeah. cool it was going to be mm, yeah yeah so you said um, what the, didn't go well about it was that the waves weren't very high but what went well for you uh what went well was uh when you go down to simpson's beach like drew was saying you could uh get some ocean level uh, views of waves crashing into rocks but also the uh, walls of the cliff there have all these uh, concretions in them mm. where the the sandstone has little harder spots in the surrounding sandstone and so you get these big nodules that are you know eight inches a foot in diameter sticking out of the side of the cliff and uh, there's just all sorts of texture and detail and you know, it's a really great spot for doing some, uh, not necessarily macro, but or close up, but you know, some more intimate detail uh, photography. And uh, yeah, that was the first thing you said to me when you came down. You're like, "Hey, have you guys caught a picture of that wall yet?" And you pointed it out, and it was a there's a lot of character in mm. just a few feet of wall out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's there's some spots in Utah where the uh, sandstone is just eroded away to like honeycomb patterns and stuff. Uh huh. And uh, I'm always fascinated with that uh, texture in the sandstone walls like that. This <laughs> is kind of that same kind of place where it's not just boring sandstone cliffs. There's there's a lot of uh, character and detail in the cliffs. Mm, for sure. <laughs> so what went well for you, Brendan? I definitely noticed the same thing, too, when I went down to Simpson Beach. Because, uh, you know, up on top um, in the shore acres, when you first pull up and walk up to that stone wall, there's not a whole lot of opportunities photographically. I mean... Outside of giant waves. Yeah, unless you have a 250-foot wave happening, you know, just to the next uh, cove over... You can't really, you know, it's not really a whole lot you can it do. It makes some good B-roll video. Mm-hmm. That's interesting, mm-hmm. but it certainly isn't going to show right. up with the picture because you're so, it's such a high angle. Yeah. Unless the wave breaking the plane of the horizon in front of you, it just doesn't have quite right, the power. Right. And I did have a 7300 at the time, and I was using that to shoot around, you know, below us. But then when you said, hey, let's go check out this area over there, much more interesting. Yeah. I mean, the, the beach there was amazing. The sand was actually, I noticed, little tiny broken shells. It was more shells than it was actual um, sand and rock. So I thought that was really cool when I got the closer because I actually did like some video of like the stream because there's a waterfall that I noticed behind me. Mm-hmm. And it was making a little stream in the sand and making these little rivers. And these little rivulets were going towards the, towards the ocean water. And so I got my phone down and I was recording some video of that. And then I cool. noticed, oh, these are tiny little shell <laughs> fragments like everywhere, like millions of them, billions even. And so um, – I thought that was cool, and I noticed the waterfall that was behind me, and it looked amazing. I just want to go back in, like, the summertime because this bush was right covering the waterfall, and it had some um, some blossoms on it that were just kind of dying off. And I could just imagine what this thing looked like in full bloom. It <laughs> right. would have been awesome, and the, the beach itself was just so, so cool. So outside of the waves, we nailed it that the waves weren't enough. What was some of the challenges you had in your landscape photography out here? 
Um, from the beach, um, which is where I did most of the shooting of my pictures, I think. Um, it was kind of scale, I guess. I was focusing more on the smaller things, I think, at that time. So getting, I did try to shoot a lot of the waves crashing up against one of the sea stacks that was closer to the, the right side of the area. Mm-hmm. Um, but I timing was uh, was kind of challenging. You try to time the wave at its best moment, and every wave's different, so you're waiting for like a really good one, and then you can miss it really easily. So that was definitely a challenge. Oh, yeah. Take thousands of photos because you're shooting mm-hmm. five or seven right in a row. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's what I think loaded up my card so fast. You know, it was, it was, <laughs> yeah. So then, Drew, what went well for you out there? Well, I can imagine the waves being crazier, um, but I had a lot of fun down on the beach. I put my seventy to two hundred on and just kind of um, focused in and waited with a pretty fast shutter speed for the really big ones. I mean. I guess they're baby ones, but they, they, <laughs> right. there were still some pretty impressive crashes against those waves from down by the, uh, on the beach. And I, I really had a lot of fun just sitting and waiting for the right one to come in. I take a, you know, I put, put it on high speed and, and take, take a series of them as the water would explode mm-hmm. against the rock mm-hmm. there. And where, you know, I can go back and, you know, how on the back of your camera, you can just scroll through. Mm-hmm. It's almost like stop motion where the waves just go. And yeah, I mean, it was awesome. It was really fun. <laughs> what were some of the challenges that you came across as you're trying to make something amazing and perhaps it didn't quite happen? Well, I, d- I didn't use my uh, I didn't use a super wide angle lens down there to get a, a nice foreground element like you did. But uh your um, camera was actually been. near the same spot. Yeah. You were in a spot that I was in at the beginning, and then we decided to go over where we ended up, yeah. and then I came back to it. And so I thought you had this exact same picture. I, I, I might. I I have more editing to do for sure <laughs> right. from this one, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. so when I think about the things that were going well for me and didn't go well, uh, I actually have a hard time saying what went well that is different than what you guys all bring right. out. The fun, the experience, you know, all of it was there. What didn't go well was the part where, where we couldn't be up top to capture the big waves just because the composition was never strong. Everything was below the horizon. So you either had to zoom in and create a different scale for you to create a thing that breaks the plane or you had nothing. I had some birds that I thought were really cool and they're flying in and trying to capture them. But even with my 300, I didn't seem, I didn't feel like I got a nice, sharp, cool image that Mm -hmm. made the birds stand out from that. I felt like I still needed to be down at their level. So we've all mentioned going on to Simpsons Beach, and I think all of it is is because we're down at the right level to bring the image below us and above us. And up there at the Shore Acres part, without the waves crashing high, there was just nothing above us. Mm-hmm. Our top parts of our frames were just boring, and we weren't there at a sunset or sunrise to make the top part of the frame interesting. And so it was just a big challenge. I'm looking at probably my best picture from Simpsons Beach, and it's just compositionally having leading lines and things and foreground elements that work together i feel like this foreground element wasn't quite featured well enough in balance for my foreground and then the waves that were crashing around it they pulled in a direction that kind of went off to the right when straight in front of me down that gauntlet was the crashing waves and the triangular rocks that were jagged and pointed out but a wide angle lens so everything was so far in the distance Mm -hmm. and so i ended up with this tiny little thing that took up 
I don't know, I mean 10%. If you drew along my vertical part of my frame, every 10% a line, it only took up one section of those, you know? It wasn't a strong feature in my shot. This area at Simpsons Cove, it has these two big rocks that come out front. The whole coastline comes out in front and kind of closes off the big space that you're in. And so your frame automatically has these lines that kind of close in the frame and you end up only using the middle third with a gap to the ocean. Mm. And so we tried to find other elements that were interesting to kind of tie it all together. And I don't think I ever once really tied everything together. It was either... Kirk's idea of shooting a cool wall, Brennan's idea of an intimate waterfall going out, uh, Drew's idea of some intimate photography zoomed in and crashing the waves, but then Simpsons Beach was just not in the frame at all anymore. And so we we found this one spot where the water was coming up from behind and filling into the ocean right here, and it had really cool sand cliffs. I don't know what else to call them, but they're like these one-foot-tall where sand the sand's canyon. been cut yeah. out and it has like a canyon of this uh, canyon wall of sand and it has really, no one's stepped on it, no one's treaded in the area so we had really pristine looking sand and Brenda and I get there and we try and capture that first and then scoot in a little more and capture another shot and then scoot in more because we knew we were walking in our composition if this was a cool composition so we kept trying everything and the S-curve that was happening with this uh, water flow into the ocean while it was cool there was so much rock wall cutting off the front that it was never a good balance for what was happening on the horizon. So just everything kind of, something in the image and every frame that I took kind of countered the composition. It it, it ruined and messed up the composition. It didn't flow all together. And so I didn't quite find something that worked out. Not here. You know, I wonder if this would be a a good place to, um, work on the, the what's it called where you where you blend um, different uh, so, perspectives yeah yeah so you you use a wide angle and and then a you focal use a, length blending yes mm-hmm. exactly focal blending yeah yeah I wonder because then you could get the you know your foreground element on the beach and then and then make that uh, make that waves crashing on the rocks out there a little bit a little bit bigger because yeah know, it's hard to you know it, it's one of those situations where you've just made the the awesome picture of the gigantic mountain really teeny behind mm-hmm. your flowers kind of thing. And you know, all of our idea. eyes were seeing the cool crashes of waves out there as mm-hmm. big and influential in your mind, mm-hmm. part of the mood. And then you take a picture of it and it'd be way off in the distance as an afterthought almost. And so, yeah, I think that's an interesting idea. You do a focal blend right there where you bring in all that horizon closer and then keep the really cool parts of the beach. That could be a strong image and that are nice looking piece of photography. Mm -hmm. So then we finally left from here and we kind of went a little too long because we still needed to make it to Thor's well for sunset. We knew we'd be in Thor's well for sunrise and at some point the next day for the right tide to be there. But we thought, let's try and get there for the sunset. The sun's crashing out over the over the waves in the mm, distance. That'd be awesome. Yeah. And we didn't make it. We did not leave Shore Acres on time. We just kind of kept taking more and more photography and taking up more and more time. And then the drive out to Thor's Well, we didn't quite make it to Yahats. And so on our way to Yahats, we see the sunset finally peeking out. Now, the sunset that night was not great, at least from the areas that we mm, were. Mm-hmm. Kind of blocked little gaps in the sky, 
some color, but in a very narrow spot in the distance. And so that color was okay. It was happening, and we saw that it was happening, and we were like, oh, pull over, pull over, pull over. And we did an overlook to look out over the ocean. It just so happens I didn't notice the lighthouse. Once we pulled over, I noticed it. Did you guys notice it before we pulled over? I thought yeah. that's why we pulled over. You thought that's why we pulled over. Mm-hmm. I don't recall that as being why, but maybe it was. And yeah, Kirk we saw a bunch of people knew. that's big pullout, and so we decided to... Here's check, our chance. Go check it out, yeah. Sun was setting. We had maybe 20 minutes left. It mm-hmm. was the chance we had. And so happened to be Hasita Head Lighthouse. Kirk probably knew and was saying, maybe pull out here because that's there. And we're yep, looking... Half a mile. Half mm-hmm. a mile from us, you're saying? Well, when we were there, yeah. it's The, the pullout's like... It's, it's a good distance from the... Uh, from the lighthouse here. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's There's a river in between you and a big bluff, big cliff in between. And, uh, right, right. You, it's, it's a definite telephoto uh, <laughs> uh, location. Yeah, it was. But because it was going towards night, we ended up with an interesting opportunity where after we captured our sunset shots and saw some light on Hasita Head and could see the house there, we hiked up into Hasita Head to see it up close. And this was I think yours too, Brendan. First time ever chance to do night photography at the lighthouse. Yeah, yeah. And here's something that I found out that I hadn't realized yet. The lighthouses that I've come across in my life and the few times that I lived on the coast, I lived in Monterey on the coast. I mentioned it a few podcasts ago that I've never had experience on the coast. That wasn't accurate. I have had, but it was something that just wasn't a lot of my life. And so foghorns and lighthouses I've seen, but not enough to just know them. And this was a lighthouse. I've seen lighthouse images where people have captured it and they have seven or eight beams going off. And in my mind, there's a single beam and they just took interval shots and then combined them all together to make it look cool. Right. Mm -hmm. I find out at Hesita Head... It actually has seven or eight beams that are always shooting every direction. I think so it you, is eight. I think I'd really, it's I tried eight, counting eight? it several times well, to yeah, make sure it, it's eight. Okay. <laughs> and it depends because that's that's one of the things that I read about is that 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 the lantern that's up there that rotates is going to be different depending on which lighthouse it is on purpose. So they could count the timing of how often one of those beams would would come past Mm. in order to be able to tell which one they were actually looking at. And sometimes they would actually put like a red one in there too. So so it would go seven white ones and then a red one or something like that so that so that they could say, Oh yeah, that's a seat ahead. Or that's such and such. It it because because the mariners out there would know which lighthouse they were looking at based on that. So oh. that's, that's just an identifying marker, and of course they'd have to have mm-hmm. that. That makes sense. Yeah. Okay, mm. awesome. And so when I saw people's photography, I thought that they had done what they did, but they didn't. It's just a single shot, a single shot, and you have beams going everywhere. And at Hasita Head, you have a hill that goes up behind the lighthouse, and so it gets totally lit up by the trees, and the hill gets lit up with several beams while you have beams going out. Well, the hill is so close. I mean, seriously close. I mean, it's like there's a a lighthouse, and then there's the cliff hill with grass and some trees on it, like literally like feet, a few, several feet away, you know, so. It's crazy picturesque. Yeah. 
It is cool. And being there right at the base of the lighthouse, I'll give my challenge and, and what went well first, and you guys go. The challenge was trying to capture everything in frame and have like mm. a nice looking beam because the longer the shutter, the beam was was, mm-hmm. was pudgy mm-hmm. and blurred. I liked a nice, firm, strong, solid Rays. light ray, you know? Yeah, yeah. So it looked really cool if you had a quick shutter, but then you couldn't see much of your terrain around it if you did it that way. And so that was a challenge. But what went really well was a very high ISO, was able to pick up the light. I went at 12,800, and I could see the terrain. The light was striking the terrain so hot that the entire landscape behind the lighthouse was lit up. And so then the lighthouse stood out from the landscape behind Mm -hmm. it, and you could see the whole scene. I like my perspective, looking up at the way everything gets distorted by the lens. It has a great balance between... Here's my image. From one corner to the other corner, you can basically draw a line where the negative space and sky is on the top left, and then all the landscape and lighthouse is on the bottom right. And then the lighthouse itself, the tower, cuts through the plane of that diagonal and then breaks through it and gives more balance to the composition. And so I really like that. I think what I'd do if I could go back is try and get straighter lines on my lighthouse itself. Mm. As I get some distorted diagonals, as you guys can see here. Yeah. So let's go to Kirk. What went well and what didn't go well for you, man? Uh, what went well was uh, we got there just as uh, sunset had already happened. So, but there was still enough uh, blue sky in the the first few pictures that I took. So yeah, um, that kind of sets off the trees from the uh, the sky back behind the lighthouse. Um, what didn't went go well was. Uh, I think it would have been cool to go climb the hill up behind the lighthouse and uh, try to get level with the light. Like you're saying, hmm. the Ooh. ground in front of the yeah. lighthouse is just so, the lawn is so small that you pretty much just have to tilt your camera up towards the sky to get the top of the lighthouse in. Yeah, yeah it's and, a tiny uh, area. Yeah. Yeah, and I've seen people uh, bushwhack up the, the hillside and uh, get level with the, the light. And uh, that is kind of a cool-looking uh, perspective. So I think cool. next time I go back, I'll uh, definitely uh, give that a try. Yeah, that would be awesome. So, Drew, what are you saying? What do you think went really well for you and what could have gone better? Well, I, I loved where we pulled over. And I think my couple of favorite shots of this lighthouse were the ones where we shot out across the beach and across the valley. And I've got pictures with I, I think I used my seventy to two hundred on this. I was just going to ask you, and and uh, and I actually, you know, I, I shot a few different ones, and then I um, composited them together into a, a, a big uh, panoramic kind of, Ooh. you know, sixteen by nine kind really of shot. Really is picturesque, and mm-hmm. and that that was fun. Um, the problem that I had, and the the trouble was, I mean, I took my fourteen millimeter Canon f two point eight. It was a Mark II. I mean, it's a good lens. And I went up there, but sticking it on the 70 Mark II hmm, up right. there, it, it for one, I didn't have the dynamic range. But the other thing is this is where I really – I mean, with that 14-millimeter lens, because it's <laughs> on the crop body, I couldn't get the whole dang thing in the frame. Oh. In, in one, so I'm, I'm doing like – like I, I'd have to do a set of exposures over here and another one over here and then another one up there and, another, and then th- stitch it all together. And normally that would work. Normally yeah. that would work fine, but you got a lighthouse moving. Right. <laughs> and so, so it, it's, it's, uh, it's going to be, uh, I mean, I didn't get anything that I really like. I'm going to screw around with it. 
But I, when, when I was that close with a crop sensor, a 14 millimeter was not enough. You yeah, know? interesting. I, I, I mean, I couldn't, I could not get it all in one frame. It was one of those places where, I mean, we are literally at the foot of this thing. I mean, that, what they did is they, they carved the area where they built this lighthouse out of the cliffside. And, and mm-hmm. that's why, I mean, you know, it's got, it's got the mountain behind it and a little bit of lawn in front of it. And, and uh, I, I mean, it's not a crazy tall lighthouse, but I couldn't, I could not get it all in one frame. <laughs> that's the yeah, man. I remember, I remember you and I backing up completely to the fence and yeah. still it wasn't enough. And, and I was actually out there with my 50 millimeter. Yeah. And so I was having a worse time than you <laughs> because uh, even with the full frame, zoomed in. the 50 was uh, zoomed in and I was, I was going for low light, you know, I was going for the speed to get as much light as I could. And so um, I just remember um, trying different things because my 50 was limiting my range of view. Yeah. So I tried looking at my puddle in the water, maybe getting a reflection of that and doing something interesting and uniquely different. Um, yeah, 50 and, was not the right lens for that No, location. it wasn't. I realized I mean, that as soon as I got there. <laughs> wasn't the right lens for that location. I was going, oh, damn. Yeah, yeah. So that was definitely a challenge was the, was the location itself was very hard. Um I would definitely recommend what uh, Kurt had mentioned is is there actually was a trail. I remember looking at the information board. I think there is a trail that actually goes up and around that hill behind the head around the head lighthouse. And so um, that is uh, definitely an option. I'm definitely going to try that next time. Hey, guys, we're joined now on the phone with John. And John was out there with us, one of the listeners out there who joined us at Thor's Well. But the night before, he went out to Hasita Head Lighthouse just like we did. In fact, we had no idea he had gone out there. And he captured some cool shots out at the Hasita Head Lighthouse. John, when you went, you went alone. Had you ever been to the Hasita Head Lighthouse before? Yes, I have. Uh, my wife and I actually spent an uh, anniversary at the B&B just just there. No way. So we had an opportunity to actually walk up to the lighthouse and scope it out before. But there's one thing I need to do right away. It was not the night before. It I wasn't. was so excited about joining you. I got up at four o'clock in the morning and drove <laughs> down to, to see the head lighthouse and shot those first thing in the morning. Wow. Okay. So that was not a that was a night shot, but it wasn't after the sunset. It was just before the sunrise. Correct. Gotcha. So when you stayed at the house, I mean, if you guys don't know Hasita Head Lighthouse, there is a kind of a bigger house down the road from it, just down a little bit of the hill from the Hasita Head Lighthouse itself. And I guess that used to be a caretaker home or someone who owned the Hasita Head Lighthouse. And you had a and b You stayed there for a night or two with your wife? Yes, that was our anniversary two years ago. That's and awesome. it's a really gorgeous place. I would really recommend it to anybody. It used to be the Coast Guard captain's house. And there's all kinds of older artifacts there. It's really a classic place. Wow. Okay. I mean, how do you how do you get breakfast and dinner? Do you drive in to, uh, what's the city there, Yahats? Yahats. We had dinner in Yahats, yes, but they do serve a very nice breakfast there. So you don't need to get up and pack up and get out right away to get food. They'd serve you just gorgeous food. And I think there's five rooms. So it's somewhat, you know, there's five couples there in addition to the people serving food. 
Oh, right on. That's pretty cool. All right. Okay. Well, back to photography because that's an awesome place that Brendan and I were talking about going to because it would be fun to be right there on the site because Hasita Head Lighthouse is really beautiful and it's in a very photogenic area. So when you showed up there, how was your approach to getting your composition? What was your goal? What were you looking for? Well, I knew about the trail that went up above the lighthouse and I knew that there were spaces in between the fir trees that you could get a nice, good shot of the lighthouse with the ocean and the clouds behind it. And that was my goal, and I was really happy that I achieved it. What I could have done a bit better is um, dim the actual light to get more detail within the lighthouse itself. But overall, uh-huh. um, I'm just starting and learning, so I'm real happy with this one. And I was pleased that if you looked into the sky of that image, you can see Venus just above some clouds. Oh, awesome. Right on. When we were there, the clouds are so thick, we weren't even thinking about stars. And we shot shooting at the Hasita Head Lighthouse with the hill behind it. And every time the light would hit the hill, it would blow it up with light. It would almost be too strong. And so you being back there on that same hill probably helped a lot, avoiding any of that really high blown-out background. How well could you see the lighthouse itself in your shot? I got a frame where it's in between two trees, and I spent several minutes picking up and moving my tripod six inches this way and four inches that way and then two (laughs) feet this way and adjusting the legs to try to keep it more or less straight up and down. So I really had a lot of time but when I found the shot, I was really happy with it. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. I just remembered I had it opened up on my Facebook. And, yeah, that looks awesome. You're framing the lighthouse great with these two trees. And I see Venus peeking out over that cloud. That's so cool. So what would you say was your greatest challenge that morning trying to capture the composition you had a goal for? The challenge was actually finding the perspective and, and getting the trees lined up and such because um, it's a forest. It, it's just not a bare hill with a tree or two. I mean, there it's a forest that's been growing ever for years and years. So it's pretty much covered. And I was really happy to find this one spot that came through. Nice. So for someone else who goes out there or the next time you go out there, what would you say you're going to make sure you do differently to try and capture a different shot? Or what do you want to do next time you're there? I want to try a different shot. Um, I've seen photographs of the lighthouse taken um, maybe a quarter mile, eighth of a mile away from the highway that's up above there. I want to try to get that. Of course, that wouldn't have worked at the time I was there that one morning, but that I've seen some excellent shots, and I want to try to recreate those. Right on. So John joined us for Thor's Will as as well, Thor's Will as well, and Cape Kawanda. So we're going to have him back in episode three of this series. So I'm going to go right back to us and Kirk and Drew and Brendan talking about the end of this podcast. And then we'll be back with John here in episode three of the Oregon Coast podcast. One of the things as a pointer for people on this one is a lot of these parks that we were in would chase us out of there. Oh, gosh, right? at sunset. At, at sunset. The minute of sunset. Mm-hmm. And, and mm-hmm. there's there's this house that is like the lighthouse keeper's house that's up on this, right by where the lighthouse is, that they'll actually rent out mm-hmm. to people. Uh-huh. And so you can rent this thing w- from the state park system. Yeah. And I think because that house is there, they didn't chase us out of this one. 
Thank and so you can right. actually be there at night. Dark, so I, yeah. I think, you know, provided that you show up with a full frame camera with a wide lane, angle <laughs> lens, I, I think that, I mean, this is a place where, I, I, I don't know, I think we were still trying to get out of there. Um, but but we had some some opportunity to actually shoot this after dark. And mm-hmm. I thought that was that was cool because those other places, you know, I mean, the security guard comes around. And it's like, oh, well, you have to leave. I mean, what are they thinking? Mm. I, with these other ones, I, it, it's like, uh, I mean, it, it it probably depends on the time of the year. But this time of year, you know, I mean, the sunset is going on and they're tell- chasing us out of the parks. It was yeah. driving me crazy. And but. don't mm-hmm. think that they mean at dark you got to leave. I mean, Falia Fire, as annoying as they are, they let you stay 20 minutes, three minutes after sunset. And they right. were literally chasing us out. We'll talk about it here at Yakina Head Lighthouse. Man, they were chasing us out during the sunset because their clock says the sun goes below the horizon at 426. And by golly, they were going to get us out of there at 426 with a little bit of give a, you yeah. know, a little bit of leniency yeah, until like 30 at the most. We're, we're yeah. over there and one guy is distracting the security guard while the other guys shoot. I, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that with the next one. <laughs> so then. It, oh, Brendan, you didn't mention anything that went well. Is there anything you went well, or should we move on, take a last break, and come back and do tip of the week and gear time? Honestly, I don't I don't know. Wrong lens choice. <laughs> Wrong lens choice. Um, it was definitely a challenge, and uh, I do want to go – I definitely want to go back and try it again. Oh, of course. Because I will do things differently. Just look at that yeah. Drew's panorama right here where you can see a beach, a cliff wall, of mm-hmm. rock, trees everywhere. Really, really cool. cool shapes. The horizon's at a different height. I mean, everything is just great in this shot, and it makes me want to get something awesome for that mm-hmm. too. That, mm-hmm. I think that's the kind of thing that you're going to find on a hotel wall, right? Yeah, you know? isn't it? Mm-hmm. That's picturesque it's great so let's take our last break of the podcast and we'll come back with brendan and do gear time and tip of the week okay we're talking about the really good photo spots app and i got drew armstrong with me right here and he's another guy who's been using it a lot how have you used it have you benefited from? i'm surprised because i'm finding places that are just around my own area that i didn't know about yeah i travel up to logan and back every week and i found some space places along that 130 miles that i I wasn't aware of and so i stop with my kids and and we can take pictures that i didn't expect the other thing that's really cool about it is this is literally it's like a a a local version of 500 px there's some really (laughs) good pictures in here and i'm going oh you know i'm getting an idea of new places to go shoot the more people use this and the more people contribute to it, the better it's going to be for all of us. And, right. and I, I love that. It's not, I don't think just any old person is going to even be familiar with this. This is for photographers. It's awesome. It's meant for us. It's meant to help us in areas that we've never been. Help us help it grow. Go to really good photo spots at improvephotography.com. Hey, welcome back, guys. Uh, to, right now we're going to talk about gear time. And uh, Kirk and I are actually going to talk about this one. Um, all of us went to this trip anticipating being in the water mm-hmm. and uh, I had you know I had purchased a pair of waterproof ish boots um, in North Carolina after I got my other ones drowned and so <laughs> I um, I definitely brought those with me and then I brought um, some hiking water sandals that you know they're not keens but they're similar to what these guys had so and the NRS boundary socks so should have joined the club with the keens I mean we all three had keens well I had bought yeah, them they're great <laughs> I had bought these other ones uh, on sale like the summer before. So I was just like, yeah, this is perfect. So, Not a good um, enough excuse. So, Kurt, um, why don't you 
why don't you start us off and just talk about the NRS boundary socks and what you liked about them? Well, we all saw Nick Page uh, using his NRS boundary socks on many of his videos. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, you look at it and you go, well, that's kind of dorky looking. But then you start you start thinking, well, I'm going to be standing in the ocean and it's going to be about 50 degrees. And uh, it's like, hmm. you're going to be there for a while. You might want to have a little more than just socks and some boots on. Right. Because like Drew was saying, you know, as soon as the water hits over the top of your boots, then you have boots full of water. And right. uh, the the boundary socks are a, uh, was it like a quarter inch neoprene, just like a scuba diving suit. The, the seams are taped on the inside, so they're waterproof. And the thing I really liked is uh, they have this uh, cuff on the top that comes just uh, below your knee. And it actually does a really good job of sealing on your leg. You know, I've got, uh, you know, large calves. And uh, the I was kind of worried about the, the boot not fitting, the, mm. the boundary sock not fitting. Mm-hmm. But uh, it was really comfortable, and uh, I was really impressed with them. It's, it was well worth the, the purchase. And then uh, I wear Keens all summer long. And uh, so I just brought those along and recommended to the other guys that uh, – you know, they get something similar to that. Mm-hmm. And uh, the boots, the boundary socks fit right inside the Keens. I'd loosen up the straps on the Keens, and they uh, just slipped right in. And uh, it was really uh, comfortable and uh, kept your feet warm, and I didn't get any water on them the whole time. Awesome. Yeah, and what I also know, what I also liked about them is that not only do they go up high just below your knee, but they actually have an extra... Um, like t- titanium rubber uh, seal around titanium the inside. Titanium rubber. Yeah, yeah it was kind of like a, it was like a, well, it was like I think that's something along those lines. It's actually the silver, silvery rubber um, extra yeah, band. It was, that it was a thinner band of uh, rubber to seal on your leg. And mm-hmm. oh, it gives you an extra really water well. protection. So the water's not going in and over the top. <sighs> it's actually staying out at that level, like a, like having a gasket, like a seal around you know <laughs> nice. your, your thighs or around your uh, around your uh, calf. So yeah, yeah it, was, it was like having a dry suit for just your feet. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it, but I mean, with that cuff um, and and some pants that were fairly water resistant. I had water that went well over the top of the boundary socks and my feet never got wet. Awesome. Mm -hmm. You know, and it's not like we're, I mean, these are the perfect solution for a photographer because it's, you don't really want to go get a pair of waders. You're not going to get that deep most of the time. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, you don't want your camera gear ruined, especially. And you run the risk of, uh, you run the risk of the waders getting filled up with water. And then now you've got 300, (laughs) 300 pounds of water right around your waist and you're trying to get up out of a river or a creek and it's like that's going to be near impossible it's your you don't have that your ankles a river or a creek is one thing i mean i you know i i could see wading out pretty deep in a lake and taking a shot with waders mm-hmm. but yeah, around surf like this you don't you do not want those on you right right yeah I went out and abandoned that morning with nothing but my Keens and dry, you know, my quick drying wool socks and my same pants that I had on the whole trip. You know, those nice little pants. And there was a definite difference as far as cold temps go. I didn't really necessarily notice that I was so uncomfortable with one and very comfortable with the NRS boundary sock. But I completely feel that there was a difference of 
I'm out there in the water feeling it, and when I went away from that point, I can feel wet most of the day, and those socks never dried at Shore Acres, never dried anywhere else. But when I had my water socks on, those boundary socks, that morning at Thor's Well, I never once felt cold anywhere except on my hands. That was Mm. the only time I felt cold. And so they worked really, really well. They kind of are thick, and you jam them into shoes like Keens, or you jam them into water socks, and they can require that your shoe size be a little bit larger so that you can fit them plus shoes. Otherwise, just Mm -hmm. go barefoot. So they're kind of big at your feet, but I really, really liked them. Yeah, I would recommend getting a shoe size that's at least a half size bigger, if not a whole size bigger. And depending on who makes the shoe, I'd you say know. Yeah. Keens a half size bigger would be nice. Mm-hmm. I, they were a little yeah. tight for me with my Keens, and and I wear Keens all the time. I actually even have some that are half size bigger. You know, I I I have probably five pairs of them. So <laughs> wow, nice. So my recommendation: yeah, you, you definitely oh, want to wear a sh- you definitely want to wear a shoe of some type with the uh, boundary socks because if you go walking out on anything yeah, with any uh, rocks or pebbles or basalt. You're going to just grind right through the bottom of the boundary sock, and That's true. now you've just defeated the point of the boundary sock. So <laughs> definitely combine them with uh, some other kind of footwear that's going to drain the water easily. Good yeah, point. Yeah, you're not going to actually be you're not going to actually be cold or hurt your feet walking on them with nothing else. But you're right. Yeah, you abrasively will ruin them faster without a different protective sole. That yeah, they're not, yeah, they're not meant to be walked on by themselves. So. <laughs> Um, so, yeah, so what I recommend you guys uh, listening, if you guys want to check those out, um, you can purchase them, and we'll provide a um, a link, and uh, you guys can check them out if you guys do buy them. Put them on, and then take them with you to the store when you try on your um, Keens or other kind of, um, you know, water-wearing uh, shoes, and um, that way you can definitely know for sure, you know, you're going to need a whole size or half size bigger, and then you're going to be all set, so... Awesome. That's good gear to have, especially in Oregon. I knew I was going to have those, and I expected to use them every day. I ended up only using them one morning at Thor as well. Mm. I think it's because I was always worried about having to dry them, but they dry fast, and they're just tiny. They just fit tiny in your bag, add no weight whatsoever, and so I'm going to have them with me everywhere I go now. Yep. Not a question. So let's go into tip of the week. And the tip of the week is going to come from, well, the tragedy that went on. We've talked about other kind of Pelican cases and stuff that you can use to keep your card safe. But Drew had an idea that he showed us that, okay, brilliant. Brendan has a situation where this card might actually be found, but then what happens? And Drew has the solution. He was just showing it to us earlier. So, Drew, tell us what you did. Okay, so what I what I was thinking is is that most of the time I think people are decent, and I mean you hear these stories all the time about people finding like GoPros or somebody's old camera or mm-hmm. whatever, and returning it to them, and it's like the camera's shot, right? Yeah. Or, or I mean, even if it's not, if your camera fell in the water or whatever, and somebody still returns your your card, people recognize that memory cards are are valuable and important to to. To people, a lot of times, a lot more important than the than than the device that that right. you mm-hmm. use to you're okay to with fill losing up, a right? camera, but not a memory card. Well, right. Car, I mean, I, the I, card I, itself is cheap too. I mean, who cares? Like, someone finds like a thirty-two gig card, like this is like fifteen dollars. Like, who cares? Right. Like, you can, right. You know. Mm-hmm. You know, I've done this to my iPad. It, my iPad's always in a case, and I put a, 
a sticker on the back with my name and my telephone number on it, right? Because mm. I think a lot of times people return that kind of stuff. And so I've tried to start labeling my stuff like I'm a child. But the, <laughs> the other thing that I did is, is I take you take your memory card, your SD card, flip it over, and I've got these um, silver um, uh, uh, Sharpies. Okay, right? mm-hmm. and so I put a I put about a, a quarter inch strip, or maybe a, a closer, maybe two thirds of an inch. Uh, Just a nice a strip, thick strip along the the end of the back of the of the uh, card, um, opposite end from where the pins are, and and then you, you take that and you color that silver. So whatever you're, and then I take a black sharpie, that's one of those fine point sharpies. Oh yeah, yeah. And and just put my name and my telephone number on the back of that thing, and I've got it on all of my SD cards at this point. They have my name and Brilliant. my telephone number on them, because I think that you know if somebody finds one of these cards, I think right. the odds are that they're going to go ahead and give you a call, mm-hmm. especially mm-hmm. if they see that on there. Yeah. They're like, I- I'm going to make sure I go out of my way almost to call this person right, because right. you're a hero now. We went. You to, found it in October. Uh, my son and I went up to Yellowstone and. Um, you know, we're we're taking the cards out every night and dumping the content as much as we can. But yeah. the truth is, my iPad had totally filled up, so I didn't have. <laughs> I, you know, I had dumped Back everything up. I could, but I wanted to see it on my iPad, and I left a card. It had fallen on the floor in my hotel room. We oh. we got into the park, and we got about five or ten miles into the park, and I stopped to take some a picture of some buffalo. And, and I'm like, a guy on a Buffalo. <laughs> I'm like, my, my, my camera won't shoot. Cause I've got it set to where it won't shoot. If there's, there's no, no card. card. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I'm like, Oh crap. It, you know, I've got other cards, but I'm like the card that I want is the one that is in the hotel. Still, I get uh-huh. back there and the, I, the, the guy that's cleaning the rooms, I know he's already been in mine. And he's like, well, what's the problem? I was like, I left an SD card. The guy pulls an SD card out, and he's like, hey, here you go. It's not mine. <laughs> he's found somebody else's SD Seriously? card. Because there was another one lost in there. And I'm like, oh, crap, that's not it. He's like, oh, well, here's another one. And he pulls out my 256-gig <laughs> UHS-1 card i'm like oh my gosh you know i write your name on these things and 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 it's like you can't label them they're too small and the labels aren't going to stick yeah you don't want to try and make it thicker so that you have problems getting in and out of your camera right yeah yeah. the marker are perfect so So paint it via sharpie yeah yeah Yeah. (laughs) that's an awesome tip i mean just the fact that brendan's lost a camera's memory card it's possible that someone out there found it but then didn't have the next step in mind and if there was a phone number on there and a name they have that step they would have already called him and brendan would no longer be crying himself to sleep at night he would be cuddling his 2000 photos that he has back i can't process anything i don't have (laughs) so that's awesome tip thanks man so before we close out this podcast we want to do a listener adventure we haven't featured another listener photog adventure in a while so kirk if you have it up still i found that picture that you pulled up it comes from listener and our listener group, Gustavo Contreras. And he has an awesome Northern Lights picture from Ooh. Iceland. Check this out, guys. Wow. I mean, okay, in this picture, Ooh. lower third, just a mountain profile, and then just flames of aurora, green aurora going up in the sky. Two-thirds of the image is this aurora. And you can see how he captured it at kind of a fast exposure because you can see the defining lines and sections in between. So just an awesome image out there in Skogafoss, Iceland. I mean, I'm so jealous. Skogafoss, probably Foss. And that this is just... uh, 
How is I mean, how is this not on everyone's bucket list? I think it is. Mm. I don't even think I have to convince anyone with one more second about why they should go to Iceland or somewhere in yeah. the north to capture Northern yeah. Lights. Oh, it's so amazing. So great adventure, man. Thanks for sharing it with us. Thanks for joining us on this podcast. Drew, Kirk, thank you for joining us once again on the Photog Adventures podcast talking about Oregon. Mm-hmm. It has been fantastic. Yeah. And now the third episode that's coming up, we're talking about Thorswell, how well that went. We have John with us who's joining us, as well as Cape Kawanda, amazing sunset. Oh, yeah. And Cannon Beach, amazing sunrise. Mm-hmm. Man, 12 hours of fantastic photography. So that episode's coming up next. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you guys next week. See you guys. Yeah, see ya. Bye-bye.